0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 287th episode of MTG Fast Finance, your number one source for all the latest secrets to stuff in your layers. MTG Fast Finance is your weekly podcast covering the world of Magic the Gathering finance, collection management, and speculation. I'm your host, James Chilcott, aka at MTG Critic on Twitter. My co-host this week, as always, is Travis Allen at Wizard Bumpin on Twitter, and we're here to help you folks make and save money playing our favorite game, Magic the Gathering.
1: Good evening, everyone. Good evening, James. Glad to be here and looking forward to sharing all sorts of available information with all of you. Valuable? valuable, Some sort of information that may or may not be valuable. Our show is produced by mtgprice.com, the leading MTG finance community. Sign up today at mtgprice.com to plan your specs, chat on Discord, and read articles by some of the best financial minds in the hobby.
0: MDG Fast Finance is proudly sponsored by Cool Stuff Inc. where you can find all sorts of cool nerdy stuff in stock including all the best in Magic the Gathering singles, sealed product and a plethora of other collectibles. Use the promo code FINANCE5, that's the number 5, during checkout at coolstuffinc.com to save 5% off your order and support this podcast. Travis, 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 what could possibly be on our agenda this week?
1: This week, James, I think we will do four segments. Our segment 1 will be the MTGO metagame week in review. We'll, we'll look at two modern challenges. Segment two will be our top paper movers, some cards that have moved the most in price this week, as well as the top MTGO movers. Segment three, our cards to watch. James and I will run through some stuff that we think has looks good for the future. And finally, segment four, our topic of the week, there's a new secret layer out. Uh, what should you be buying, if anything? Let's hop in at the top here, uh, our MTGO Metagame Week in Review, we've got the Modern Challenge from August 28th, and first up on the list here is a Velomachus Turns deck that's the one that runs that dragon from Strixhaven that uh, casts the Instance and Sorceries off your deck, you endominal creativity into him, and then you start hitting time-walk effects,
0: and you just run away with the game. They're also making use of both Hard Evidence... And Fire and Ice from MH2 alongside four Prismatic Ending. And I guess the major innovation here from earlier iterations is the three Nahiri the Harbinger so that they can use that as an alternative way of getting either Emrakul or Velimachus Lorehold into play. Oh, that's nifty. I like that combination of Nahiri to Fairy Time Raveler and Renin Six, of course, puts (laughs) quite a lot of Planeswalker problems on the board. Yeah, that's
1: uh, that's a lot of Planeswalkers. I think that feels like that's more than we've seen in past iterations of this, 11 of them at this point.
0: Yep, yep. So, I mean, we've seen this deck pop up in top eights before. I can't remember if it's had a win like this in a challenge. It might have done once. Um, And it's also, it was also showing up in uh, Pioneer quite a bit at one point. Uh, Or sorry, Historic. Um, and seeing it take first in a field as nasty as the current one is, is fairly impressive. So I think anything in here that hasn't taken off quite yet, you know, if there's some foil indomitable creativities lying around, take another look at those time warps from Strixhaven Mystical Archives, et cetera, because they're likely to be under pressure if this deck keeps doing well.
1: Yeah, the indomitable creativities are, um... In particular, uh, interesting choice. Just because, if it's not Velamakis, there will probably be something that can make use of them down the road, even if this falls out of favor.
0: It's also a card that's only ever been printed once. Yeah, Kaladesh, five years ago, and those foils are down to—it's got to it's gotta be getting pretty narrow now. You're looking at three listings left on TCG Player for Indomitable Creativity foils at thirty bucks a piece. My guess is there are still some of these lying around in Europe and maybe Japan. So worth worth kicking it around, take a look at your local binders if your store is open these days, and maybe you can find some gold for free. Oh, yeah, that would be a fun little find. Second place here, we've got Jund Saga. That deck was also 6th in the same challenge on the 28th. Um, the innovation, of course, as discussed last week, is that Jund, which was largely discounted for most of the summer... Has now started running four Urza Saga in a three-color deck, and alongside four Renin Six, four Dragon's Rage Channeler, four Ragavan, and four Tarmogoyf, seems to be doing fairly well all of a sudden, just with that series of upgrades, the DRC, the Rags, and the Sagas.
1: Yeah, it's f- a lot of fun seeing Junt here on the, on the boards again. Four
0: Tarmogoyf, man. <clears throat> what year is it? Yeah. Uh... I mean, part of it, of course, is that Saga lets them be pre-sideboarded <laughs> against a bunch of things by putting some silver bullet artifact stuff in the main.
1: Yeah, they get the pre-sideboard and they also get
0: the free land types in the graveyard. It does, does a lot of work for them there. So you're seeing things like Expedition Map, Mishra's bauble, Nihil Hill spell bomb, pything Needle, and Pyrite spell bomb in the main. And then, of course, they get to re-leverage all of that through Lurus of the Dream Den coming out of the sideboard as well. That's oh, so gross. Uh, So then we've got Shardless Footfalls, a constant contender here for modern top eights this summer. Hammer time, ditto. Blue-white control has been reasserting itself as the control players have figured out what they need to do against the existing meta. They're running uh, four Chalice of the Void in the main at this point. They're also running a Hall of Storm Giants out of the Adventures of the Forgotten Realms uh, set. So one of the creature lands out of that set. And then Shardless Footfalls again in seventh. And Blue-Black Mill just will not go away. I don't think anybody would have predicted that Blue Black Mill prior to MH two would have been this consistent of a uh, contender for the modern top eights, but here we are.
1: Yeah, yeah. Week after week, it, it sneaks in someplace. Not always on the top, but it gets its uh, it gets its slots in. So it's certainly going to be a contender at your local F and M, almost certainly.
0: Now now switching to the modern challenge from the 29th, this was the Sunday after the Saturday, pretty straightforward, this is just a pile of current tier one, tier one point five, tier two decks, Gogmoth combo in first this time. Uh, rare to see it that far up the list. But between that and Velimachus turns, apparently tuned tier two lists can can, you know, be tier one on any given Sunday. Uh, hammer time in second blue red murktide in third fourth and fifth so if you thought that deck was going away just because it didn't show up all that often for a couple weeks don't worry they figured out how to tune it a little further against the meta shardless footfalls again in sixth blue black mill here again in seventh and then green tron rounding things out in eight
1: uh yeah aside from the clump of murktides they're all competing for second place that's uh another good top eight and you know you've got the green tron there which we didn't see over in the first one, the Ogmoth combo that we didn't see in the first one. So there's, remain continues to be a
0: variety of tier one viable strategies. Yeah, there's at least eight to 12 lists like we were talking about last week. Yep. All right, so moving on over to segment two, top paper movers of the week. Uh, highlighting here, first off, the Bat Blood Crypt foils at a dissension going from 170 to the lowest priced copy on TCG being 270. We talked about this, I don't know if it was last week or the week before, about how. I was starting to get the impression that original foil uh, shock lands had a pretty, pretty decent shot at being pushing for a thousand dollars at some point down the road here. I don't know if it's a year out or three years out or five years out, but I feel pretty confident that those are going to end up being very expensive cards indeed because there's just going to be so few of them left lying around. And if you want the original foil printing of Blood Crypt, you're now looking at two hundred and fifty to three hundred, maybe a little less on Facebook and social media. All it takes is five people to reach out into the marketplace and gank out the best available copies, and now you're probably looking at another plus fifty, plus hundred dollars. Folks are going to be very reluctant to pull those out of decks and collections when you know there's there's nothing to ever suggest that they will go the other way. Uh, yeah, you know, unless 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 you're on the sky is falling for magic as a whole brigade who to date <laughs> hasn't done very well. Well, um, you know, this this stuff is looking looking like a pretty good solid long term hold
1: there. Yeah, I mean, there's been a little bit of chatter that there's a bit of retraction happening. And Cafferty was talking about it today when he was looking at um, the line required to get your cards graded and using that as mm-hmm. a metric. Uh, and I blanch a little at the idea of a thousand dollar original foils, but like five or 600 within, you know, two years does not seem unreasonable. So, and, and on a long enough time frame, they probably are a thousand, uh, is everyone too busy fighting over water rights at that point to worry about it? Maybe
0: <laughs> time will tell yeah,
1: it's a couple different ways that, that could all go.
0: All right, so werewolf speculation uh, heading into Innistrad this fall looking pretty hot uh, in terms of market movement. Arlen Cord foils out of Shadows over Innistrad, 10 to 17. Ulrich of the Kralen Horde out of Eldritch Moon, 19 to 38. Fairly predictable to see werewolf-related mythics on the move.
1: Yeah, yeah. They're, um, people are going to buy these cards and we're going to keep seeing them pop up over the next couple of weeks. The official... Or the, the first big, maybe not the first big. The next big announcement I believe is next Thursday. I think they said today. So it'll be just after we record next week uh, or maybe it's it that's, this Thursday
0: and that's gonna kick off preview season for two weeks or. That before. might be this
1: Thursday. It's soon.
0: Uh, it makes sense because I think the release weekend is the third week of September. We're now basically September 2nd or 3rd by the time people hear this. And yeah, so it could it, it, entirely possible it's this Okay. Right? So well,
1: there's not going to be the end of this.
0: Yeah. Well of Knowledge out of the reserved list, 8 to 18. Lathless Dragon Queen out of M19. Foils going from 5 to 12 on the back of Tiamat popularity, almost certainly. Lelia, the Blade Reforged, out of Commander 2021, 250 to 650. Uh, it's in 1772 decks so far in EDH rec. That's 2% of all red decks, and it's a fairly certain auto-include in the Prosper decks that are doing well right now. I will admit to having had to look this one up. I could not remember what this does.
1: nifty-looking creature. It's a 3-mana 2-2 haste. When she attacks, exile the top card of your library. You can play it this turn. And whenever you exile one or more cards from her library or graveyard, you put a 1-1 counter on her. So she mostly turns... She's a 3-3 that's going to get fairly large in that deck that will also draw you a card every return. A eh, little, little medium, to be honest, but if you're in for the theme, she works.
0: Yeah, and the, and the key point is that the the card is not broadly opened overall uh, right yeah yeah it's it's good for
1: a red card <laughs> which is a shame i really like red and edh i think it's a very fun color uh that gets to do stuff more interesting than just sit around and play solitaire but not everyone agrees so those tend to not move as much uh flagstones of trocare out of time spiral um foil is going from 90 to 250 uh this is the original printing if memory serves me uh, yep. We see pl- Printing's uh, Seize Plate and Legacy um, has shown up in Modern here and there. I had a brief moment in Modern not that long ago where it came back a little more popular, but I haven't seen it as much lately. Um, you've got a decent EDH smattering at about 5,000 lists, which is like 2%. So it's there's no one spot that's really hammering this, but it's got a, you know kind of a, a broad and shallow appeal. And it's the original foil printing and time spiral was not heavily
0: opened at all, especially relative to modern magic. So, and and this serves to underscore the huge gap you can get between an original foil printing and a future subsequent foil printing, even when the art in question is basically the same because the original printing, you know, let's call it a $200 card right now, you can still get. Uh, ultimate master's foils of the of this rare for 12 bucks or so so you're talking about somewhere between 15 and 20 times value Hmm. and you know that that just means there is a subsegment of the market that is willing to pay top dollar for the very first printing period
1: yeah and Um, you're gonna have trouble finding that guy but they'll show up occasionally and it'll work out when you do yeah
0: uh, Full Moon's Rise is another werewolf card uh, out of Innistrad, I believe. Foils from 4 to 16. Uh, Wart the Raid Mother out of Shadowmoor, uh, an era that was relatively shallow print runs um, through that whole block. Foil, f- foils for this gone from 6 to 24, which just means that it was slowly, steadily getting chipped away at and then somebody grabbed the, the copies of the ramp and boom, there's just none left um did it with something like laquatus's champion out of torment foils from 550 to 35 same kind of thing yeah um and finishing off with thought
1: scour foils out of dark ascension 15 to 120 supposedly again this is the original foil printing and i believe i think it's been printed a couple times uh it's a four of in that blue red murktide list that had a good week uh, a good day over on the 31st um the IMA copies are cheaper, so we did get a C reprint on this, um, but there's not a lot of those left at the moment. Uh, so I wouldn't be surprised to see those tip over and end up at twenty-five to forty bucks in the near future as well.
0: Yeah, because I mean, this is ripe for a secret layer printing at some point. I would think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, given the existing schedule, the existing schedule, it could also show up in double masters next summer pretty easily. Yeah,
1: double masters would be a very likely place for that. Um, and you know, we saw the Serum Visions one, so we know that it's right in their wheelhouse to do this type of thing.
0: Yep, over on Magic Online's. Uh, for the, our next segment, we've got Sunbaked Canyon out of MH1 going from 18 tickets or so to about 23, 30% gains on the back of the popularity of white-red modern burn decks doing better in tournaments lately. Court of Cunning out of the Commander Legends uh, release last November went from 18 tickets to 25 or so tickets for about 35% gains. That's on the back of it being used as a three-of in sideboards in Legacy Blue-Red Delver. Alrun's Epiphany has been running rampant in decks in Standard lately, and went from 2.85 ticks to about 4.3 for 52% gains this week. And then you've got Soren Imperious Bloodlord out of uh, Magic 2020, going from five to eight tickets, 65% gains, probably on vampire hype, where people are assuming you're going to want Soren to do something nasty, maybe in Modern.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Sorens are interesting. I haven't gone back and looked at those um, lately. But there's probably some good choices in there. I know that uh, Sorens tend to do well in a lot of those vampire lists. He's, he's popular.
0: Moving right along to our third segment, Cards to Watch. We've got some good ones this week. How about Old Border Foil Prismatic Vistas out of MH2? This is a massive EDH card, 61,000 decks, 10% of all decks run the land. It's got virtually no modern play these days, despite being designed for that format and being released in MH1 originally. Um, It's important to remember that the MH1 OBFs that appear in MH2 product only appear in the collector booster boxes. They do not show up in draft or set booster boxes. So, for instance, I'm opening uh, Russian packs today, and I have zero chance of finding a Prismatic Vista, um, OBF, because that's you can't find them in a draft booster, and that's all you get for Russian. So, the Prismatic Vistas currently have a pretty solid set of listings. I think we're at 70 or 80, something like that, on TCG Player, and it's going to take a while to peter out here. But they're also getting bought at a pretty solid clip. And I think it's pretty reasonable to assume that, given enough time—call it 12 months—you're uh, going to see these steadily drain out as folks start to add these to their EDH lists. And the other thing about this card is, it's not the kind of card you necessarily only want in a single deck. So uh, there is a retro frame foil etched, but of course the foil etched is likely to trail the retro foils since they are generally preferred, and. We're actually at something like 60 listings for near mint foils left on TCG player, which is a pretty solid place to be um, for a card that's just been out for about three months. Uh, and I think the ramp looks pretty good to go 35 to 60 here over the course of a year.
1: Yeah, I um, I mean, the card obviously has the EDH numbers to back it up. So a lot of people are putting this in their decks, and that's good for people who want to cast, who, who are swacking on this card. I also noticed that... The price on these, um, you know, floating around thirty-five right now for the retro frame foils is above what has sort of been the floor for retro frame foils. Um, I've gone back and looked at a lot of those over and over again, and twenty-five dollars seemed to be where I kept finding cards. Um, so to see this at thirty-five tells me that there's a little more demand here uh, than some of the other stuff. Uh, as well as a a decent clip. You know, if we look at TCG player, the top 20 sales are roughly the last week, just beyond that, which is pretty good for a a very premium card. Um, You just some of these types of cards, the foils especially don't move quite as fast, but this is, you know, it's getting two, two to three sales a day, which is not terrible. I mean, two sales a day with 50 vendors would put you a hundred days. That's three months. Uh,
0: especially since there's no major walls and very unlikely to ever be any major walls. Like the most number of copies anybody's holding right now on TCG is three or four, because you have to open a lot of product to get multiple copies of this card. Yeah, I see
1: a seven, but that's all the way down to $45. So yeah, like you're in good shape by the time you get there. Um, I mean, if you sold two copies of this a day on TCG player with no restock, it'd be empty by the end of the year. Uh, I don't think it's going to happen, but it does. It, you know, it puts it in a reasonable position here. I just
0: noticed somebody's card store name is dad bodied. I, know, I, I noticed the same one and I was, I mean, I was like, I should buy from them just cause that name's sweet. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send them a picture when I buy a card so they can see, even if that's my worst enemy, I, I still respect the name. <laughs> yeah,
1: good. All right. Uh, so yeah, I, um, you know, our listeners heard me say that I was a touch cooler on the modern horizon foils not that long ago. Or I should say the retro foils, just because as much as I like them, it looked like they were moving a little slower. That you know, I do think that the MH1 retro foils that were printed in MH2 are overall seem to be better bets because the cards are a little more established and have a, what appears to be smaller inventory than Time Spiral. Um, and also this card, you know, extremely popular already and seems to be doing better price-wise than some of the other stuff. So definitely the one of the better ones of the group.
0: I would imagine you're looking at three to seven percent a month on this. Yeah, yeah, that seems reasonable. That seems reasonable. All right, what's your first? Selection? Um, my two
1: cards this week are relatively familiar, are relatively similar, but a bit of a departure from where I normally go. with I was browsing all sorts of stuff today, uh, and found these both. The I started with Goldspan Dragon, and wasn't able to find a price point that i was really excited about on that card this week but i did get me to go check out the uh, old Gnawbone. and i am looking at just the ultra basic dND copy pack copy of Old bone this is that green dragon um who i hold on let me get the rules text for you because i actually don't remember what it is. Uh whenever a creature you control deals combat da- damage to a player, create that many treasure tokens. So he spits out a lot of treasure tokens. Um, Gold Span Dragon is relatively similar and in then interacts with those. Uh, you can get the just the normal pack mythic copies, nothing special about them for 25 bucks right now. Uh, it is in 1.8,000 1.8, EDH rec decks, which doesn't sound like a lot, but remember the set is brand new, basically, uh, and it's actually the most decks of any card in the DD set. You also have the d set being what seems to be generally lower power level, a little less exciting. I think most of the cards in this set are not going to become EDH staples. It feels like this might be a situation where a lot of the value flows up to the very top because it's not a wide distribution of power. It's kind of only a couple of cards. Uh, and if you want to know why I'm talking about just normal pack mythics, go take a look at Goldspan's price trajectory. That started out a little over 20 bucks as a popular mythic in the set and has climbed up to like 40, 45 bucks. And it's been, what, nine months or something like that. So I think Goldspan, Old Gnawbone here is probably on a pretty similar trajectory. You're going to play him in virtually every EDH deck because if you ever ever connect with a dragon in a dragon EDH deck, you get a free dragon because of how many treasure tokens you create. At the same time, it's going to play well with any deck that makes treasure tokens. Um, You don't have to be playing a dragon deck. It's a popular mythic. Um, it has a lot of support. It seems very popular right now. So I think you can just stash these away at 25 bucks or so, and maybe in a year-ish look to out them at 45 to 55, depending on how well he does. Uh, I mean, we're not likely to see a reprint between now and then because he'll be in standard that whole time. So that doesn't seem terribly likely now as for the the borderless copies, I, those are very tempting as well. The price point on the borderless is not far off. I think those were the floor on those was like thirty three, so not quite ten dollars more. Uh, the only reason that I hesitate a little more on the borderless copies of Old Na Bone relative to the extended art on Goldspan is that the because Goldspan was an extended art, it was only in the collector boosters, whereas Old Naubone is a borderless, which means it shows up in all packs. Now we've been through this that they show up a lot less frequently in like the set and draft boosters and they do the collector boosters, but technically they're out there. So there's a little bit more supply. So you can take a look at those two and make your own decision. I think that the base version of this is probably going to be the best velocity. Um, Oh yeah. By the way, the velocity on these is the, the last 20 copies are all sold in the last two days. Like the velocity is very high. Um, so but you, you, you can go and make your pick here, I, but I do think the normal pack copy is your best bet.
0: Yeah. I think it's hard to go wrong with the normal pack copies in terms of total percentage likely to be achieved. The other opportunity I see here though, is in Europe. The, the foil borderless versions of old knob are, uh, floored, At $60 on TCG right now, but you can get 30 euro copies, which is about 40 US, maybe 45, depending on the shipping situation um, over there. And that seems like a no brainer to me because I think... To get them in Europe around 40 or $45, they are going to end up being $100 cards. Mm-hmm. I don't think you want to have 20 of them, but a playset, two playsets is probably going to do just fine. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I, I didn't look up Europe, but I figured
1: it was probably going to be a good bet for whoever went after them because I I noticed that back when the had come out, we identified as a card. We, you know, would have been really good if you could get a brick of them. Uh, so I, I didn't look it up, but I'm like, I bet there's probably some reasonably priced copies over in Europe that are going to do somebody a favor.
0: Well, and even, like, the regular copies, talking about 20 euros or something like that.
1: Mm. Yeah, which, well, so. that ends up actually almost being more expensive, right, than 25? Like, it's very close to yeah. the U.S. price.
0: Yep, yep, yep. So, both, a couple of different ways you can go with Old bone. I, I know there's been pro traders that have mentioned it to me some somewhere in the last six weeks, so uh. side kudos to, to those of you that were on this earlier when it might have been even cheaper. I,
1: um i am not privy to all of the uh picks you guys send james so i would not know that a, there's a
0: nice yeah there's a nice firewall there to protect you at least
1: it's <laughs> some sort of plausible deniability
0: yep archaeomancer's map extended art out of commander 2021 9k deck so far in edh rack that's 14 percent of all white decks it's the most popular card from the set 80 near mint listings left on TCG, so there's still a fair amount of supply. So I, I'm going to give the timeline on this 12 to 16 months, but for this to go 15 to 30 in that time frame seems nearly inevitable.
1: Yeah, the Archaea Masters map has been so popular, right? Like that card has been the breakout of that that product. Uh, it's a huge chunk of decks already. Um, I, I, I've looked at it a couple times. I, I didn't end up picking it, but I think that timing the right version is probably you're probably going to be happy with it and this might might very well be one that your your
0: best bet here is is now in this copy so your next pick here are you sure we haven't had this on show this year not
1: this year might have been last year but i don't think it would have been this copy this version even if we did
0: yeah i think you're right
1: um i've gotten into the habit of searching for these these days
0: uh, we we did make a mistake somehow last week. We had uh, Marari's Wake showcase from uh, one of the pro traders, and we had just let somebody else call that out five or six weeks ago. So our mistake, folks, we'll uh, we'll try to get you a bonus selection in the uh, pro trader Discord to make up for our horrendous <laughs> lack of skill and I will credibility. I will condi-
1: I will I will qualify that I, I check my picks every week. I don't check all of them. Uh, cause so I try to make sure I don't do that. Uh, yeah. Anyways, the other dra- so I was looking at old knobbone, and I decided to go see what else was around in the dragon stuff because Tiamat has been definitely raising the interest in the dragons lately, but they're still going to be good overall. Um, obviously dra- dragons is, you know, sort of that staple tribe that's always going to draw attention. But, uh, the other one that I came across was terror of the peaks, um, I know we've talked about this. I'm sure a bunch of you guys have looked at this card before. This isn't like groundbreaking technology here. But again, just the basic pack Mythics um, out of <coughs> M21. You're going to pay 25 bucks for these right now, same as Old Mawbone. It's in 13,000 decks, which is 8% of red decks since it's come out. It's the most decks of any Mythic from M21 and like the I think the second or third most deck of any card, any non-land card. There's only 40 vendors who have copies of this left at this point. Just, just like the basic pack mythic, there's only 40 vendors. Um, there's no walls beneath the $40 price point. Somebody over 40 had like 10 or 15 or something like that. Um, but you know, by the time you hit any significant supply, you're already up over $15 there. It, according to TCG Player, it's their best-selling card out of M21. Um, if, that, if that sort feature is to be believed, uh, the sell through on this is also very good. The, I think every copy, the last 20 copies have all been in the last two days. So, you know, liquidity on these sort of um, popular mythics is always going to be pretty high. And that's kind of where the advantage for this type of thing is, is you can go after the extended art foils, which by all means I am by far more inclined to do for the most part. And that's obvious from the, you know, my picks that you see every week. Um, because you know, I don't mind buying a handful of them and letting them sell occasionally. But if you kind of want to go another route, you can buy something like these Terra of the Peaks, and you can go buy I, – I, I'm not necessarily advising you do this, but you could go buy 40 of these at 25 bucks a piece. You know, spend $1,000, and you can sell 40 copies of this in probably two weeks uh, just because the velocity on this type of card is just there for – all of those people out there who are building commander decks and don't want to spend $100 on a Terror of the Peaks, they just need a copy so they can put it in their deck. Um, they sell a lot more. So even though your total percentage gains might not be as high, you get to sell a lot more copies. Um, and if that's the market you want to be in, these are the good type of card to go after. So Terror of the Peaks has really proven itself to be popular. Again, a great, great in dragon decks, but not only a dragon deck card. Uh, with good looking TCG player supply, uh, attractive price point. I think you're between this and Old Knob 1, I think both of them are good choices.
0: Foil extended arts of this are at $70 plus with 27 listings left. And I did track down the original time I mentioned this. It was episode 229 from summer of 2020, July 21st to be specific. And my call was 12 to 20. <laughs> so I've already gotten there. Yeah, you've gotten there. We're. we're and and, you, and despite that, your pick is still correct, because you're right. Given the velocity of the card and how popular Team Ad has proven, there is a window of opportunity here to get in and get out. And this is the kind of situation where, if you're especially risky, you can go deep, but you don't have to. You can just pick a couple of these off wherever you can find them cheapest, get them in your hands as fast as you can, pop them up for sale, be the lowest price, minus 10%. If they flip quick, then you can take a look and see if you can restock, and otherwise you just Count it as a win and keep rolling.
1: Yeah, yeah. So uh, it was a good pick of yours 59 weeks ago, and I think it's solid today.
0: All right, fair enough. My final selection for this week is a the most popular card by far on the list, Urborg Tomb of Yawgmoth on a zero to six month horizon. I'm talking about the Time Spiral Foils uh, picking them up in the EU you can get them over there for about $20 right now including shipping and i'm looking for a double up 20 to 40 over the course of the next 6 months currently you can the the prices in uh, on tcg player are already significantly higher you're looking at for ultimate masters copies they're going for about 40 40 for the foils and if you look at the, look at the time spiral remastered foils You're looking at, let me just see here, get that back up in front of me, you're looking at 30 currently. So you're getting a $10 discount against the TSPR foils, which are quickly running out. There's only nine listings left. Ramp is looking steep towards 40 or 50. You have the UMA foils to contend with. They imply a double up via arbitrage. It's in 70,000 decks on EDH Rec. That's 11% of all black decks. Plus it sees Modern and Cube play and shows up in some legacy decks. This just looks like a slam dunk. Yeah, if you got the European connection, you snap some of these off.
1: <laughs> yeah, this card is is absolutely a perennial favorite of uh, of EDH players everywhere. Um, I know Cliff talked about this while you were gone, but I don't remember which version of it it was. But any of them are totally fine. I mean, buying foil copies of Erborg pretty much any of them at twenty bucks is, seems fantastic. Um, just based on how popular the card is. So I'm I, it's I'm behind pretty much it, any Urborg pick here.
0: Cliff's picks while I was gone this summer for vacation were Patron of the Vein, Cabal, Cabal Coffers, Crux of Fate, Advara uh, Hellkite, SL Praetors, and Sword of Heath Home. So I think I'm clear there. It
1: might, you know, I was Cabal Coffers I was thinking of. Mm-hmm. That's what sure. it was.
0: Which was also a good pick. Yeah, um, But yeah, Urborg foils from TSPR. Keep in mind, that's a relatively short print run. Europe got uh, some extra boxes of that not too long ago, so that explains why they're significantly cheaper right now, and that will not last forever. Nope. Uh,
1: all right, what are we doing? What's our listener pick here?
0: We got Burke out of the ProTrader Discord coming forth with Archon of Cruelty Sketch Foils. And had when he hit me up with this, I was hard-pressed to believe this made sense. (laughs) This is not one of the top mythics in terms of overall popularity from MH2, not by a long shot. It's only in a 1,000 decks so far on EDH Rec, but it has been showing up in the reanimator lists for Modern, and you can expect it to see a smattering of cube play and so forth. Um, However, somebody's going after this card because it's been draining real fast on TCG Player. There's only 11 listings left of these foils. And... That's really, really low.
1: That's an atrocious sketch card, my god. Even for sketch not, cards, that's bad. I mean, it's fine. It's just, it's it's not. It's just like a dirty frame. It doesn't even look like a sketch card. It just looks like they took the frame and
0: just shook it up a little bit, and then we're done. Ah. <sighs> uh, I mean the fr- the frames are not the responsibility there yes no. That's just a that we've already agreed the frames are bad. Yes, yeah, yeah. but you're da- when you're down to 11 listings and nobody has one one MTG Mint Card. A huge vendor has four copies, and then everybody else is sitting on one. People have definitely been you know specking on these or picking them off for their EDH decks and or modern decks. If you look at the drain rate. You're seeing one, two, three copies a day for the near mint foils, and it doesn't look like there's any particularly huge, like, one-day drain where somebody picked up 30 copies or something, so it looks like relatively steady, slow and steady demand. There just isn't that many of these floating around, because foil mythics are not that easy to pull, even given the configuration of drop rates for MH2.
1: Yeah, well, I will I will specify that I was only complaining about the artwork, not the price point or anything. Um, I mean, if people are buying the card, then they're buying it. It, it, You know, It might look odd to us, but this might be one of those silent majority type situations where there are people out there who really like them and are putting them in some deck. And just because we don't have visibility into it, it doesn't mean that
0: it's not happening. I mean, it is a good reanimator target. It's a 6-6 flyer. When it enters the battlefield or attacks, target opponent sacks a creature or planeswalker, discards card, and loses three life. You draw a card and gain three life. So it's got like a... Uh, bolus's cruelty or whatever it's called
1: something thing
0: here. going on whatever that that card is that multicolor card is that people used to cast back in the day um the thing here is oh. his call was his call was 15 to 25 purchased in the u.s if you get them in europe you get the, another five bucks off you can get them at 10 bucks and look to out them between 25 and 30 and i think that's a pretty solid place to be i don't love the card enough to be looking to go deep here but certainly worth pulling out of what you may have thought assumed was bulk out of your MH2 collector boosters, set booster uh, stacks or whatever. And I think it's worth considering picking up a few copies to see how they do. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: yeah, I agree. I think I, I I would almost be inclined to say that it's from um, like casual players because it seems like it might be reasonably popular with that subset. But they're not going to buy foil sketch cards. Like that's not what they would buy. So I I don't know
0: interesting interesting but hey if the price points right then uh, i can't argue with it i mean part of it can be completionist too right dudes like my dad that are just getting one of everything from the set yeah but then why would this be so much further ahead than anything else i i haven't looked real hard at the other mythic foils like say murktide to see how like how far off they might be but that would be worth comparing because murktide's overall demand profile has to be much higher right now so you would want to at least reality check how much of this is legit drain and you want to cross reference against the inventories at major vendors as well because if you see tons of copies hanging around at somewhere like ck or cool stuff Inc. or whatever then it can be a warning sign that somebody may have you know tried to set off this cascade now for instance if we look at murktide regent showcase foils which is also a foil sketch mythic from the same set 43 listings so almost triple the listings uh, of the Archon of Cruelty, and they're sitting at about 25 to $27. Finding it real hard to believe that Archon of Cruelty can outpace Murktide, but we'll see. So, someone's buying them. Are they, are they
1: someone who just wants copies of the card, and you're going to sell these without a problem? Is it somebody who thinks they're pulling one over on the market? Uh, that, that we don't have an answer for.
0: The, the piece of information we do have is it didn't look like there was 30 copies bought in a day, at least as far as TCG's data was willing to admit. So there is that. We do have more information this year than we would have been any given year. That's true. Prior. That is true. Now, we can move on to segment four, our topic of the week. We uh, had told everybody last week we promised to talk about the new secret layer drop that was released. goes on until a little shorter than usual. It's not a full month this time because I think it started a week ago and it goes till September 14th. So I think they gave us three weeks. And I suspect that they chose that date because they didn't want to bump up against the Innistrad release and interfere with the sales pattern there. So this drop, <laughs> this super drop is which, called the out, out of time super drop. I, I, I'm sorry. I just have to step in here, which is really funny because they are like, okay, we
1: have to make sure that the secret layer doesn't overlap with the Innistrad sales period. Cause we don't want to get in the way. Like, do you really think the fact that these are going to overlap is going to be the problem when you're putting in like four products that you want expect people to spend three hundred dollars on back to back to back in like three months? Like, I don't think the overlapping sales is the sales dates is the issue here. It's the velocity of these products, but that's
0: beside the point. All right, so we have five drops total here. One, two, three, four. Five. Yep. So the first one is Kamigawa Inc. It is a bunch of uh, original Kamigawa block reprints. You've got Machiko Kanda Truthseeker, a pretty sweet EDH card that's probably underplayed just because it has not had a reprint up until now. Kami of the Crescent Moon, which is a pretty cool looking uh, new version of that card. Toshiro Umozawa, which uh, may be popular if they cough up some samurai's um, but it's also probably just an underplayed uh, EDH card. Heartless Hedetsu, uh easily the best character in that narrative arc, especially if you read the novels. And Reki History of Kamigawa, um, which I have occasionally played in a de- detuned version of my Attraxa deck, Attracts a Plane Super Friends deck, since every time you cast a Planeswalker, you draw a card. Um, this is like a solid set of cards, but... Not super amazing. I suspect the play here is probably the foil sets.
1: Yeah, I so my problem here is these look pretty cool. Um, I appreciate the art style on these; they're um, distinct and amusing. Uh, my the problem I'm having is just these cards are not compelling. Kami the Crescent Moon has some useful play patterns. Uh, you'll see him show up in EDH, and I have not checked the numbers on these specifically. Uh, kami is probably i'm gonna guess first and is probably second but the rest are just not going to be that popular and they might be a little underplayed and they might get a boost because of this but the issue my issue with this is just the, none of these cards are particularly popular
0: i did cough up the analysis on on this particular set for the protator discord last week and the the current prices of the base versions of these cards on tcg is 28 for machiko uh 13 for Toshiro, four for Reki, five for Kami, and just under like three and a half for Heartless Adetsku. So that's 54 total. Um, there are some supply issues that prop up, for instance, Machiko. But, again, Machiko is probably underplayed, and I think the foils will do pretty well. The art style here is, I think, not super polarizing. I think most people will think it's cool. Um and so if you can get a foil set of these for uh, 39 40 bucks, I think, yeah. you'll, I think you'll probably do all right. Well, you know,
1: we know that the secret layers in general tend to be fairly well positioned. And if you were going to buy any of these, I would also probably buy the foils. But as far as secret layer stuff goes, this is a, a good-looking good product that I feel like used the wrong cards.
0: As There's a- also – people also need to be – reminded probably if they don't deal with the secret layers very often that there are often secret cards like a bonus card that's included for for many sets lately we've seen from the release that was starting the last super drop or two super drops back that started landing this week people have been noting uh, a variety of pretty cool blueprint sketch cards um that some of which are going to be very popular indeed and they seem to be dropping somewhere between eight and One out of every eight to twelve sets, and then there are different bonuses if you don't pull those. But you can usually rely on those to add, you know, five to ten dollars worth of value minimum to these sets, and I think that makes you know most of these worth worth considering in a little bit more detail, especially if the base prices are as reasonable as they are on the Kamigawa ones. Now, the the one I think is the most important here by far. You know, if I had to just choose one to go a little deep on and ignore the others is definitely Teferi's time trouble.
1: Mm-hmm. Because
0: what they did here is they took three very popular Planeswalkers, Teferi, Time Raveler, Dak Faden, and Karn the Great Creator, and they put them in old border and gave them a ridiculous block of text. So this is the the Planeswalker version of the all-text lands that they gave us earlier this year, where they're just putting the tongue firmly in cheek and saying, oh yeah, 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 you've been begging us for Old Border Planeswalkers. Let us show you why that's a bad idea. And the novelty value here on three very popular Planeswalkers, especially given that there is no foil set, they deliberately only made this available in non-foil. So you're paying 30 bucks, 10 bucks a Planeswalker. Are you going to tell me that Old Border text... Wall of text to is not going to be worth twenty or thirty down the road and justify the whole set. Uh no, I think
1: that these are the best bet um, out of the entire run. These are probably the one, the the one that I'm most interested, uh, both like personally and also uh, like I say professionally in buying. Um, they're they're good cards and also they look cool.
0: And there's a bonus here they deliberately recruited classic magic artists to this project. So Adam Rex, Greg Staples and Mark Zug are the artists here. So they have a distinctive early days of magic feel that will work for the boomer magic players. Um, yeah. I, I don't even think it's close this time around. This is, this is almost certainly the one you want to be dealing with. Yeah. I, I agree
1: firmly there that this seems to be the most popular one. And, uh, Sometimes that's a catch on these types of products, right? Or like maybe buying the one that's actually less popular works out well for you because way fewer people buy it. But in this case, uh, I don't know. I think these these three cards are going to be good for a long time. So. If
0: you're, if you're looking at the TCG prices on this, Dak Faden's twenty two bucks, Karn the Great Creator's twelve bucks in their base versions, to Fairy Time Rattler's seventeen. So you're getting 50 dollars plus in value. That seems very very solid for thirty. Yeah, and these um,
1: I'm trying to figure. Do these come in foil? No, can't get them in foil. So these are non foil. Hmm. Yep, yeah. that's kind of obnoxious,
0: but hmm. well. Given that they are, you know, two of the three are played largely in constructive formats, I think that's fine. I mean, I would like there to have been foil versions, because I certainly would have paid an extra 10 to get them. But I think part of it is a nod to the fact that just last year, they were handing out stained glass versions of To Fairy Time Raveller and Car the Great Creator, and they already had the alternate art Japanese versions from War of the Spark. So they've already coughed up quite a few versions of these cards, and, you know... Leave well enough alone and give some of the fancier copies time to breathe, as work, works fine by me. Yeah, I
1: mean, that's fair. The fact that you've got a lot of other premium versions of these doesn't hurt. I mean, which is which is almost reason enough to stay away from these, if except for the fact that, what did you say? Dak Faden's 20 bucks on his own. So, yeah,
0: Dak's at 22, Karn 12, and Teferi 17, and headed up.
1: Yeah, so like you're already so good on the pricing. That it doesn't matter that there's other good premium versions of these cards, they're still gonna do
0: well. Because these don't these aren't gonna compete with the premium versions, they're gonna compete with the base versions, and in, in that comparison, there's no question which ones a lot of people will pick. There's just the silly funky one is gonna be the is gonna be the selection for a lot of people.
1: Yeah, I, I, I would be I think I would be torn
0: trying to decide which one of these I would want to own. Because right. they're all amazing. So we've also got artist series Johannes Voss and Voss is going to, these cards are going to appeal to the anime crowd. It is a series of scenes featuring the same characters. Uh, It looks like you have a human and maybe an angel and they're bumping all over the place. And the cards in in specific are Sphere of Safety, Karmic Guide, which we just got a reprint of in MH2, Sanctum Prelate, which was the box, uh, buy a box promo for MH2 and then Carpet of Flowers for the first time ever in foil, if I'm not mistaken? Uh, without looking, you probably. Because it was an Urza Saga card. Yeah, Mystery Booster and Urza Saga, yeah. So given that, you have to ask yourself, will the Carpet of Flowers justify the $40 price tag here? I think the answer is yes. Well,
1: Sanctum Prelate, by the way, cheapest copy is 7 bucks right now. Sure. So the conspiracy one was 25, and I was like, oh, that actually carries a lot of the weight, but the Modern
0: Horizons 2 version is 8 bucks. See, Carpet of Flowers is in 26,000 decks in EDH Rec, and the number would probably be higher if it had greater overall availability. That's 9% of all green decks for a card that hasn't been reprinted that many times. So the first ever foil printing. Probably ends up 60 to to $100 given enough time. I'm just not sure what the time horizon will be.
1: Yeah, I mean, my impression on this was that it was a pretty weak set of cards. Um, it, it set the art, setting the art style aside entirely, just those four cards didn't really do a lot for me. Um, you know, Karmic Guide would have been good a decade ago but we've gotten a million copies of that sphere of safety, like might have some popularity because the foil on commons, I think are like 10 or 15 bucks. Um, but the carpet of flowers having uh, a reasonable artwork, in uh, a first time foil sets this up to look pretty solid, but we're also talking about 40 bucks. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I think to me, the way I look at this, I think you're going to spend $40 on these. And then I think that in six to nine months, it's going to be worth 55.
0: I just, I don't... I'm surprised. I'm surprised that sphere of safety is in 20,000 EDH rack deck, 7% of all white decks.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Cause it does not take money enchantments for that to become obnoxious. Like on its own, I think it's annoying because it's, one for every enchantment you control so a blank sphere of safety puts a 1 mana tax on attacking you for every creature and as soon as you add a second enchantment it quickly becomes burdensome
0: and Karmic guides in 17000 decks. so i might be underestimating this set I, I think you're i think you might be right about the 55 a, a handful of months out but i think a year plus out this is probably a 80 to 100 dollar set
1: well karma in, in in foil in foil karma guide has so many printings now that I don't know if any one of them is really gonna hold much of a price tag. So Modern Horizons 2 foils are $250. Now, this is a special artwork, but I mean it has EMA foils. The EMA foils are eighteen, they're a little better. Uh there's so many copies of this. So there's a judge promo of this. That's forty. The Urza's legacy one's gonna be uh, a chunk.
0: But the Wait, Modern- what did, what what did you say was the expensive one? Uh Urza's Legacy. That's- yeah, yeah, the original. Yeah,
1: the, I guess my point is, uh, Karmic Guide was very interesting as a foil card before they printed like four more foil copies. Uh, so I just I don't have high hopes for this.
0: Essentially, where's where I'm going? Hmm. Well, I mean, even even if you put the Karmic Guide, Sphere of Safety, and Sanctum Prelate at ten bucks a piece, you're getting the Karmic the Carpet of Flowers foil at ten plus the bonus card, whatever that is. And I think the carpet could be worth fifty or sixty plus on its own.
1: Um yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I'll put it to you this way. If you if you want these cards for your decks, I think you're very safe to go in on a foil set. I don't think you can lose any money there. And you might surprise yourself and get a double up and have a chance to trade out if you want to.
1: Carphars is Alright, so what are we looking at here? Let me let me let me look at some numbers. So, Carpet of Flowers on EDH is twenty six thousand, which is fine.
0: It's not a. I mean, that's huge. That's nine percent of all decks. Yeah, that's as good as it gets.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's solid. I mean, so here's the thing: Carpet of Flower predates EDH, so it it is by that by virtue of that it is going to be in the running for having the most decks that it's going to be in. Like it just
0: because it's always been there. Um yeah it's been a long ran a long time but as i said earlier it has doesn't have that many reprints no so no so it, so it's actually in a relatively low number of uh well, decks given how that you only got it in urza saga 25 years ago and then in mystery boosters this year
1: uh yeah but the i mean even at 25 bucks that price isn't that high like it's high but it's not that high Um uh, it looks like this
0: an uncommon mind you
1: well I mean that stopped mattering years and years ago this was 10 under20 dollars up until 2019 so it's only in the last two years that it's jumped above 20 bucks and it's actually floated around 20 for a while since then it actually only meaningfully climbed above 20 as of April this year. Like, relatively recently, it finally broke out of that $20 range. Now, it's been ha- holding a 10 to $20 price tag for years now. Um, I don't know. I, it, it will go up. It will go up. The The foil will be worth something.
0: All right, so we've also got Artist Series Thomas Baxa, which gave us some nightmare fuel in the form of Sliver Sliverhive Lord, Spellskite, Obnixilus Reignited, Obnixilis uh, relevant because he's going to be a central character as one of the mob bosses uh, on that mob plane next year, and then Sire of Insanity. So Hive Lord is the key feature here. The cheapest Hive Lord on TCG Player. It's been in Magic 2015 and it was a mystery booster card. You can get them for about twenty dollars or so. I'm not convinced this is the best art. I think the original art's actually better. Uh, Especially when this art is viewed smaller scale and you can't really appreciate the detail. Spellskite's not a card that really matters much anymore, and I don't think there's huge demand for Obnixilus and Sire. So, I think this is this one's fine. Again, I would go foil rather than non-foil on these, and you'd be banking on the the slivers to the Sliver Hive Lord foil to be a a thing down the road. Because if you get a, I think the mystery booster ones are think they're all non-foil so it's only got the single foil printing other than this and foils from m15 got to be pricey they're almost 100 bucks so you're banking on the sliver hive lord secret layer foil to eventually be say 50 bucks and justify the price of admission yeah these this this is another one where like the art's kind of nifty i don't hate the art
1: it's a little boring that the frames don't do anything but like a side of insanity Nifty card, completely meaningless from from our perspective. Spellskite used to matter, doesn't anymore. Obnixilis reignited, nope, not at all. I mean, what's he? It's probably what four bucks, seventy-eight
0: cents for Obnixilus. So the the Silver Hive Lord has to carry all the weight on this. I mean, it is notable that Sire of Insanity foils have only ever existed once and they go for there's only nine listings left and they are at about twenty five dollars plus. Are they really that much now? yeah and if we look at an edh rec there are only about five thousand decks but that's not terrible so i think you can probably give that at least ten dollars of the value and then the question becomes okay so for the hive lord foil plus the bonus card am i willing to pay 30 bucks i think you probably are i i will admit to having not knowing that uh sire Sire insanity
1: was that expensive in foil that helps and yeah. silver Hive Lord foils are $120, by the way, on TCG Player.
0: Yeah. That's so, a
1: chunk of change.
0: This is fine. I think the Baxa and the Voss are pretty similar. They they look they don't look super impressive up front, but I think given enough time, they'll be all right.
1: You know, three near-mint foils of silver Hive Lord sold uh, about a week ago at hundred over $100 each. Yeah. So and,
0: and you're never gonna get any more of those. So this is the replacement.
1: Yeah, this is actually probably better than I definitely thought it was because the Sire of Insanity might be able to carry a decent chunk of the value here, and those Silver Hive Lords are almost certainly gonna do some work for you because you're paying 40 bucks for this. I bet those are 60 or 70 on their own before too long.
0: Yeah, given enough time. So the final set here is math for is for blockers. And this is Brazen Borrower, a very popular card. Uh, Vindictive Lich, Meandering Tower Shell, O-Ran Frostfang, and Thragtus. And the problem here is that the whole thing is built around math, like, being cute with math. So the Brazen Borrower has very specific, like, uh, triangular angles and, and relative lengths of sides of the triangle it's uh i think the all of the powers and toughnesses of the creatures involved are the uh first several digits in pi like the whole thing's just a math joke and a that's going to go over the heads of a lot of people b these cards are not like meandering tower shell is not a card i expect people to be clamoring for so a lot of the the value here is hung on the brazen borrower
1: it this is this is bewildering because who the hell wants any of these cards? Like it's just you're you're trying so hard, and th- this isn't for anyone.
0: There's always got to be a, a, a worst set, and I think this is it. Whew, out out of these five, is it ever? So the the wrap up is I think we both agree that the planeswalkers is where it's at. I think you're probably going to do fine with the Voss and the Baxa, yeah. Um, but it wouldn't be my biggest priority. Kamigawa. I think a lot of that depends on how the market ends up valuing the Machiko foils. Um, you know, is that going to see more play given that there's an increased availability? Now you can get the foil bundle, which is. In this case, worth pointing out that it's only four of the sets. It doesn't include the Planeswalker set, which we just said was the best one. So you're getting the Planeswalker set, which would normally be 160. You can get the four foil sets for 130 instead. If we agree that the three of those four, you would have been willing to pay 124 anyway, then you're getting the math bundle foil for 10 bucks, and it presumably has a bonus card. So that's probably fine to get the the foil bundle there. And then add on X number of the Planeswalkers on top of that.
1: Yeah. I mean, if you're, you know, if you're buying large quantities of secret layers to resell, then you don't care what we think. You're just going to buy a like 10 of the bundliest bundle at 230 bucks, because you're just assume that on average they're going to go up
0: enough to make it all worth your while. Uh you get a 4% additional discount it goes from 81% of retail to 77% of retail if you go from the just the four foil sets to the world's bundliest bundle which is basically one of everything so you get the four foil sets and the five non foil sets yeah um so if you're if you just want to place a broad bet on secret layers generally go up or you're running a retail operation and you think you, you get, you're going to get a premium or you're operating on TCG direct or something where you get a premium or you're operating on Amazon, all of those things make these bundles better and better, especially if you're in a no tax state and don't have to worry about that.
1: Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I feel like I'm, we're not saying anything remarkable there. It's just like, yes, if you want to sell a lot of these buy the big bundle, that gives you the biggest discount. If you're trying to be a sniper, um, you know, the, the Teferi's Time Trouble seems to be the obvious one. I, I am now having mixed feelings about this. Because okay. everybody is going to look at this and go, oh, it's Teferi's Time Trouble. And I would not be surprised if there are th- between three and ten times as many of those sold as the other bundles. Right. Like I don't know, I don't know about ten, but two to three. Cause you fi- My, might be right. You figure that who the average casual player, like you know, the, the the people out there playing at their kitchen table aren't really buying secret layers most likely. Like these are secret layers are sold to enfranchised players. So enfranchised players are also more likely to go after stuff like that. But the individual cards in these products tell a different story. And that Sliver Hive Lord down there is very interesting when the only pack foil is $110. Uh, Those $40 foils and the Sire of Insanity being a toss-in is very interesting to me. Uh, The the Johan Vest one, also curious. I don't think I can get behind it. The Kamigawa ink I don't like as much. The math is for blockers. It's just garbage. Burn it. I think I think the obvious pick is the, the obvious pick is very clearly Torius Time trouble. but I think there is I think the secret pick is Thomas Baxa for that Silver Hive Lord, because you'll get another premium copy of it eventually, and it's not going to matter.
0: Brazen or pack foils currently go for twenty two or so. Yeah, that's
1: so, and you're getting zero help elsewhere. Even Thrag Tusk is worth like nothing, right? Because nobody plays that. Yeah, foils are anymore. probably
0: yeah, foils are probably three or four dollars. Dollar forty uh, for
1: foils out of double
0: masters. Yeah, so I think the my suspicion is that I will get five to ten of the Teferi's Time Trouble and two or three of the foil foiliest bundle, aiming to leverage three of the four into into a twelve to sixteen months later success pattern. Yeah, I don't think that's terrible. I do right. overall.
1: Overall, though, I will say I think this is might might be the wor- the weakest super drop they've done so far.
0: Also worth going like ten thousand foot view because people are usually interested in this stuff and commenting on, is this even worth making a priority? Yeah. I, I think what I think what secret layers are are they are the successor to the old pattern where people used to just buy you know an Anastrad era they would just buy a case of Innistrad when it was still in print, hold it for two years, and then flip it for double. Those days are done, because regular booster boxes, or at least set booster boxes, are dime a dozen. I think some of the vendors had uh, Strixhaven Japanese set booster boxes on for $85 this week or something. I mean, that's that's with Mystical Archive potential that could exceed $1,000. <laughs> um given the demonic tutor and the time warp and whatever the so those days are over but i think secret layers are the closest thing where you can probably reliably carve out especially if you've got a pretty good system rolling and you're in a low tax state something like a 20 to 50 percent return within six to 18 months which to the guys that are flipping constantly like buying and selling collections and flipping and flipping and flipping, that's not their market. That's not that's not going to be their priority because they've got an operation that can flip capital faster. But if you're a low in like, kind of an armchair speculator, player, collector, and you kind of dabble, um, or you've got a really tight setup where you've done this with secret layers in the past and you know it works for you, then I think this will this this is about this is an average secret layer that looks like it's going to do fine
1: you if if you're me like if you're the type of of, of, of act, actor that i am which is you don't necessarily have a budget you just spend money where you feel comfortable with it and you're not worried about but you also you know squirm in your seat and you don't really make ten thousand dollar buys very often but like you'll spend a grand two grand sometimes uh, and you don't want to be packing envelopes every night and you don't have like a storefront. You don't have enough transactions in a month that like you're as worried about, you know, you're not trying to make volume plays. You're just trying to buy every now and then and get decent returns. There's some opportunity here. And then this, and the, and the, the secret layers in general are decent for that. And I also think, and I, what I'm trying to do now, and I was, I was reluctant to get on this train because I kind of wanted to see what the history looked like before I really got into it is get into the kind of a super, uh, secret layer cycle, at least for myself, where every secret layer that comes out, I'm trying you know, buy several hundred to low thousands of dollars worth of product. And the first time I do this right, and I haven't even gotten the first ones yet when it's time the second purchase comes through, And then by the time the third purchase comes through, I'm still probably not selling the first ones, but eventually I'm going to get to that point where I'm rolling these, where it's like, okay, I just had to buy another one, but the ones that I bought two years ago, a year and a half ago, are selling really well now, and you're going to to keep that momentum going. Um, Although that is a pretty big investment to start out with, because you have to end up buying like four or five in a row before you're even really selling the first one.
0: I mean, it can be frustrating when you start with MTG Finance when you don't see immediate results. But I think people need to I mean there are ways to flip quickly. You know, collections and arbitrage are your two best best paths for that. But again, if you're if you're not committed to those paths and you're more on a speculation path, then that buy and hold, you do need to give yourself 6, 12, 18 months before you're going to start to see that, you know, your your rollover where you get out of something that you got into at the right time and now you've got more money than you started with to reinvest and then you're going to roll that and roll that and roll that and if you do it consistently enough you're going to find yourself in a pretty sweet position where you're basically infinite.
1: Yeah, it it is amusing to me how uh it used to be that turnaround time was fairly broad like you rarely picked up a card and expected to get out of it in the span of several months and now it's like oh I have to wait 4 months for this card to appreciate. This is awful. Like this is this is going to tip in 2 weeks it's like all right this is a time frame i can work with
0: (laughs) well and we you know there was a few good examples on cast today where it was like just just buy them in europe and sell them at current market and you're already doing fine but if you're willing to wait longer you can do even better yeah uh okay so i think we've covered all of our bases here uh where can our listeners find you james you folks can find me online at on Twitter at mdg critic, as well as via my occasional articles on mgGprice.com and my constant haunting of the Pro Trader Discord. How about you, Travis? I am on Twitter, the Wizard Bumping B U M P I N. I'd also like to remind our listeners to check out the mggprice.com pro trader service for just $9.99 a month or $109.99 per year. You can get early access to this podcast, fantastic articles by the best MTG Finance minds in the business, and a super active Discord forum that will drive better returns and save you money playing Magic the Gathering. Once again, MTG Fast Finance
1: is proudly sponsored by Cool Stuff, Inc., where you can find all sorts of cool stuff in stock, including the best in Magic the Gathering single sealed product, and a plethora of other collectibles Use the promo code FINANCE5 during checkout at coolstuffinc.com to save 5% off your order and support this podcast. That brings us to the end of episode 287. Uh, Next week, I think we're going to have all sorts of Innistrad spoilers to talk about.
0: So I'm looking forward to it. Thank you, Travis. We'll see you all next week on another episode of MTG Fast Finance.